Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we're going to continue in our study of the book of Revelation. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, uh, we have been uh, slowly crawling through these, uh, this section of Scripture simply because, uh, for one, there's so much uh, for us to glean. There's so much for us to, to uh, uh, assimilate and to process and to, to learn from. And, and so uh, well, when it's like that, we're going to go slow. Uh, there will be sections of Scripture that we'll go very quickly through and, and uh, it, there'll be a large amount of it, so we're not going to go this slow through all of Revelation, okay? So I'm just trying to encourage you. Uh, it's not going to be a, a five-week thing, though. It's going to be a little bit longer than that uh, for us to get all the way through. But uh, hopefully you'll gain from it and hopefully you'll be able to uh, to uh, learn more of Scripture, learn more of what is going on in that time frame, and also uh, be able to apply more of this uh, Scripture to your life. Uh, when we go slow and when we learn, uh, it takes those things that are mysterious and makes them clear and makes them easy to, easier to understand, and, and that's why we do it that way. So uh, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11 tonight. Uh, this is the letter to Smyrna. Just a little bit of information about Smyrna. Uh, since we're talking about Smyrna, it's important for us to understand a little bit about the history. Uh, Smyrna was a large port city located about 40 miles north of Ephesus, and it was on the Gulf of, Herm- of the Hermes River uh, with a population of about 100,000 people. So Again, uh, uh, give you a little perspective. We looked at uh, the uh, the letter to Ephesus last time, and this time to Smyrna. Ephesus had a population of two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, Smyrna, a hundred thousand. So these are not little enclaves. They're not little villages. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what it was uh, growing up uh, studying about different things. I always thought the places that they talked about because it was in Bible times, there was just a few little people there, you know, maybe a couple of hundred people there, and that was it. Uh, these are major cities, and this is uh, Smyrna was a uh, place of great wealth. It was originally set, uh, settled by the Angolian Greeks around 1000 B.C., and it was uh, one of 12 Aeolian cities. And so uh, this was a, a major city. It was a, uh, had a great number of literary figures who came from Smyrna, one that you probably, uh, well, you should know about uh, one of them, and that's Homer. Uh, Homer wrote the Iliad, uh, if you uh, remember your uh, uh, English literature. Uh, or your literature from uh, uh, school. Uh, Homer actually had a place in which he lived in uh, Smyrna, and uh, there is a lot of proof to believe that he uh, wrote some of his stories there in Smyrna. 
Uh, and so it, uh, he was known for being a part of Smyrna. Uh, Minermus and Bion and Quintus Minerus uh, were other writers uh, who were from that. So it was a great literary center. Smyrna was uh, destroyed and refounded several times. In fact, there's uh, three different stories of the founding of Smyrna. So uh, it's believed that it was uh, destroyed and rebuilt at least three times. It is the first first city in Asia Minor to erect a temple to uh, a um, deity. Uh, Tiberius in 23 AD uh, permitted the construction of a temple to be constructed in uh, honor of Augustus. And uh, so there's a, a, a a temple uh, to Augustus, a temple to Oliva, his mother, and a temple to the Senate. And so these, uh, this was a place of uh, cultic worship. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, pressure on the Christians who lived there uh, because of these uh, cultic beliefs that were a part of life in Smyrna. Uh, you know, um, uh, we always think of people of other religions and we think of uh, try and put that in perspective in our own mind and we really can't grasp that because uh, basically the only other kind of churches that are around us are churches of other denominations. Those are people who still believe in Jesus Christ. They might not worship in the same way that we do, but they still worship Jesus Christ. They still worship God. And they have, they're, they're Christians just like us. That's nothing like actually living in a place where people of other uh, 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 religions, other faiths live. And, and so that's sometimes hard for us to understand these, uh, what it's like to live in a, a place where people who worshiped, uh, cults, um, uh, or other, uh, faiths to other gods. Uh, Smyrna was also a center for, uh, science and medicine. It was renowned, renowned for fine wine, uh, and beautiful buildings and great wealth. And that's important for us to understand as well. Also, Smyrna uh, was uh, mentioned twice in the New Testament. Uh, it was an important Christian center in the 2nd century A.D. Um, and uh, so Smyrna was a place of significance. So with that in mind, let's uh, read the Scripture that is related to uh, the letter to Smyrna. It begins at verse 8 and it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write these things, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and thy tribulations and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which uh, say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall uh, cast some of you into prison, uh, that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulations ten days, and be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, and he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And so this is a passage of Scripture that uh, is speaking to the church at Smyrna. And it's important for us to understand uh, the fact that 
of what uh, Jesus is saying. Now, this is Jesus Christ that is speaking to uh, John to give a message to the church at Smyrna. And remember, I told you that this was a place of great wealth and it was a place of... um, of real significance. And he says to the church there, he says, um, uh, I know thy works and thy tribulations and poverty. And so uh, it's believed that the church there in Smyrna, uh, even though it was a place of great wealth and the city of great wealth, that the people that lived in Smyrna that were Christians were not wealthy. He says, I know your poverty, your tribulations, your difficulties. Now, the, the wealth was uh, centered around uh, the trades that were a part of guilds. And there were guilds there that related to the winemaking and other things that were uh, uh, sources of great wealth there in Smyrna. And if you're uh, part of a guild, you have to, uh, this is uh, all related to your association, your relationship to other people. And uh, in order to be a part of a guild, you had to be a part of the social activities of that guild in order to do the work. You could not work. It's kind of like... Uh, uh, a guild is kind of like a union, and you had to be a part of the union or the guild in order to to get a job, in order to hold a job, in order to work in that profession. Um, we down in the South don't know a whole lot about uh, unionized labor. We have uh, some unions like the teachers' union, uh, but uh, I believe you can still be a teacher and not be a part of the teachers' union. Uh, there are some places in the United States where if you're going to be uh, someone that does does a job like uh, uh, I believe uh, like uh, uh, in the north uh, related to uh, uh, construction and things like that you have to be a part of the union you don't have a choice you can't get a job uh, unless you're part of the union that's how it was in Smyrna you had to be a part of the guild and you had to do the things that the guilds did in order to be a part of that. Uh, It was more than just paying a dues like uh, you would for a union. Uh, These guilds required you to, to... uh, in Smyrna, at least, you had to be a part of the cults. You had to worship uh, these uh, 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 other gods in order to be a part of the guild. And so as a result, these Christians were not willing to do those things. They were not willing to go and worship these other gods. They were not willing to associate with those people who uh, in those guilds who did those things uh, that were contrary to the Christian faith. And so as a result, they couldn't become a part of the guild and therefore they could not uh, work in uh, Smyrna and as a result they were very poor they were in poverty they were poverty stricken now that's the most likely reason for their poverty now there's uh, three other uh, reasons that possibly could uh, be a source of their poverty and uh, uh one of them was is because uh, they were persecuted by others in the area and they their wealth was taken from them another possibility is is that um they uh and the other two are just slipping from my mind i just had them on the top of my mind just a second now uh the other one was uh not just simply uh that uh people came in and forcibly took their wealth but uh a second reason was uh that 
Um, well, there was two other reasons. <laughs> and uh, it just slipped from my mind. I was, and the problem with, uh, when I stand up here and I'm telling you these things, not only am I thinking about the thing that I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking about two or three things ahead. And uh, sometimes I forget the thing I was going to tell you because I'm thinking about the thing I'm going to tell you. Does that make sense? But anyway, um, uh, anyway, there was several different reasons. This particular reason about the fact that they were uncompromising, they didn't want to uh, uh, worship foreign uh, other gods uh, is the most likely reason. So that's the most important reason for you to understand. Uh, those others are not really important. Uh, even though there are possibilities, they're very uh, unlikely. So... Uh, uh, don't worry about those. Uh, so <laughs> that's a good way of saying I don't remember <laughs> and I'm not going to dwell on it. But anyway, Jesus is saying to them, He's saying to them, I understand your poverty. I know your hardships. I know uh, the things that you've done. He says, uh, and I know your tribulations. I know your works. Uh, and he says also, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Jesus is also telling them, look, I understand that you're under great persecution by those who... Now, uh, he's saying there are people that are amongst you who claim to be Jews, but they're not really Jews. They're really of the synagogue of Satan. Now, what does that mean, the church of Satan? Uh, uh, well, in our day and age, there is a church of Satan. But uh, it's more likely that these people are uh, Jewish in name only. They're 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 uh, what typically happened during this time frame is is that um, Jews were given a pass in terms of uh, declaring the fact that Caesar is Lord. Uh, uh, Jews were very accepted in the Roman Empire at this time, and so, and because of their religion that goes back uh, hundreds of years, uh, uh, thousands of years at, by this time, uh, the the Roman Empire gave them a pass at uh, the worship of Caesar, uh, and so uh, many Jews would not be. Uh, persecuted by the Roman government for not declaring Caesar's Lord because they had this exemption. And what would happen many times is, is that in order to get out of, of declaring that Caesar was Lord, that uh, they would claim to be Jews. Now, Christians uh, were given this pass for a while about this time, though, there were some Jews who were saying, oh no, those, those are not Jews, those are something else. Because uh, you realize at first, the Christians, those who followed Jesus, were primarily Jewish. But by this time, you had also uh, those who were not Jewish, uh, those people who were Gentiles who were becoming Christians. And if you'll recall in some of Paul's writings, he's uh, talking to the church about uh, the pressure that some Jews were placing on Christian, some early Christians that they had to become Jewish. They had to convert to Judaism before they could become Christians. And so there was, uh, as a result of that, 
And, and Paul was saying, look, you don't have to do that. You, can, uh, you simply follow Jesus Christ. Don't worry about becoming a... Uh, you don't have to become a Jew, uh, convert to Judaism in order to become a Christian. There were some Jews who despised that. And they were upset at that. So they were going to the Roman government. They were going to the uh, Roman officials. And they were saying, these Christians over there, they're not Jewish. As a result, the Roman officials were then going and, and forcing them either to profess their uh, uh, allegiance to Caesar by saying Caesar is Lord or placing them in in prison in stocks and uh, um, persecuting them, putting them, putting them in jail. And there's a very good likelihood that that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, and some of you uh, will be persecuted by Satan and uh, be placed in, in jail. Now, prison at this time is not just is not the same thing as jail is today prison was not considered punishment prison was a place of waiting it was either waiting execution waiting for your trial or uh, waiting for sentencing and so uh, uh, Jesus is telling the church there listen there's some of you who are going to be put in prison and he says don't worry it's only going to be for a time. Um, but prison was a very serious thing. It, was, it, was, it meant very likely you were going to be executed. And so that was a great concern for these Christians in Smyrna because of the fact that if they're being placed in prison, it could mean that they were going to lose their life because of their faith. And there were martyrs that did die for their faith as a result of that. There were many who were professed themselves to be Christians and then uh, were uh, executed in the arenas uh, by being mauled by uh, great beasts like lions and bears and things. And, so, uh, and Jesus is saying, listen, uh, these people who are doing this, they're of the synagogue of Satan. He, he's saying they are... Uh, and the word there that is translated as Satan, that we get an understanding of the devil, you have to understand that word means adversary. So he's saying these people are not truly Jews. They are the church of the adversary. They are the and and what uh, Jesus is saying is they're not real. Those people who are still clinging to Judaism and doing these things are not Christian. They are, uh, they've turned their back uh, on faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they've turned their back on worship of God. And so they are the church of the adversary. They are the ones who are uh, um, they're, uh, uh, testifying against Christians to those who are uh, the officials, and those are the ones who are uh, uh, being carted off into prison. He says, uh, but the the clear message here in Revelation chapter two, verse eight through eleven, there's a message, uh, and there's a clear message to the church of Smyrna, and there's a clear message to us today. Jesus is telling them that He is all that we need. And Jesus is telling this church that's going through such persecution, this such difficulty and poverty, He's saying, I am all that you need. Now, 
Jesus addresses... I want to take up what's mentioned here in verse 8. He says, "...unto the angel of the church that says, Smyrna, write these things." He says, "...now..." Remember what he said to the church at Ephesus in, in verse 1. He says, I'm the one who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks in the midst of the golden candlesticks. And what he's saying to, to them in Ephesus is uh, that I'm the one who brings you zeal. Uh, who, uh, he says, I'm the, great, I'm the high priest who stands amongst the candlesticks and is encouraging you to have uh, faith, to return to your first love, to have that zeal for your love for, uh, for God. You need to turn back to God. Remember, that was the message of uh, verses 1 through uh, 7. Tonight, he says, now this is still Jesus talking, and he says, and, uh, and now he's addressing Smyrna though, and he says, I am, he says, uh, he says, I am the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. And if you'll notice, each time that he is addressing these churches, he addresses the, uh, himself to them in a different way. So the church at Ephesus, they needed to have a zeal for lo a love for God to return to the first love of Jesus Christ. Here he's telling them that uh, he is the first and the last. He says, I am everything you need. He says, uh, so he's telling us uh, and he's telling this church that uh, we have... Uh, we can have faith in Christ to be all that we need. Uh, and not only that, but uh, that, uh, it, that He is more than what we need to get us through a situation in our life, but also to give us hope and the assurance that He's there with us. <coughs> Jesus is saying to them, I'm everything you need. I'm the first and the last. I'm all that you need. And he says, not only that, he says, I am the one who was dead and is now alive. He says, uh, he says I am all, the, all in all. And I have the keys to death and the grave. And I have the keys to life. There were many who were facing persecution, who were going through great difficulties. And Jesus is saying, I am all that you need. He's saying, I am. Uh, he's trying to give them a message of perseverance. And isn't that something that we need from time to time to persevere? To persevere in our faith. There's a lot of times with, uh, that you're going to go, that if, if you've not already gone through them, you will go through them throughout your life. And, and, and those times where you just need to persevere, to continue on. And you need uh, Jesus Christ to be there to help you persevere, to help you endure those hard times, to go through those difficulties. Jesus is saying, I'm the first and last. You can endure those things because I am there with you. How often is it that we try and go through life and we try and go through those situations on our own power and our own strength? We try and endure. As long as we've got money in the bank account, we feel like it's, uh, I, I can handle things. I can handle this. 
You lose your job, oh, I can handle this. I got a 401k. I'm okay. I'm all right. I got money in the bank and I'm all right. I got CDs. I've got uh, securities. I've got annuities. I've got all this kind of stuff. I'm okay. But let's, let's take away all of that. Let's take away your securities that you have and the financial things of, of this world. Let's take away those things in which you feel like you can fall back on and realize you need, uh, you need to turn, the only place you can turn to is Jesus Christ. And so often we try and stand on our own. And Jesus is saying, trust in me, rely upon me. What does he say in Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty? Uh, he says, uh, uh, "Those who are weak, take upon my uh, uh, take my yoke upon you, for I am." Uh, uh, well, let's just turn over there, and you can see it yourself. He says, "Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy burdened." and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying to us today uh, through this message to the church at Smyrna, look, if you're going through difficulties, if you're going through hardships like this church is, he says, I understand. And isn't it wonderful that we have a, a, a relationship with God who knows and understands everything that we go through? We think that we're, we endure hardships and struggles and problems in our life that, that only we can understand from a perspective of today. But Jesus says, look, I understand everything you're going through. I know those times when you feel lonely. I know those times when you feel depressed. I know those times when you feel as though you're about to be wiped out by the things of this world and you have no strength to go on. He says, you need to turn to me because I am the first and the last. I, you can trust in me. He says, you can find hope and the assurance that I am there with you. Jesus says, look, cast your burdens upon me. Allow me to help you carry those things. Allow me to carry those things and take upon... uh, take, take what he's in essence in Matthew. What he's saying in, in Matthew eleven is, is take off your yoke, take off your burden, allow me to have your burden, and take mine because mine is easy and light. Why? Because he's there to help us lighten our load. He's there to carry our burdens, not only his burden but our burden as well. And Jesus is telling us uh, through his message to the church at Smyrna. He says, "I understand. I know." the things that you're going through. He says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. This, uh, these, these things that people say about us and the things that people uh, talk about us. And look, uh, while things are not nearly as bad uh, towards us as Christians in the United States, there are Christians throughout this world that, that endure hardships greater than we'll ever understand and ever, uh, ever know. Yes, things can get difficult for us. 
But praise the Lord, we don't live in a country where uh, it's a death sentence just simply to say that we're a Christian. There are there are Christians throughout this world that if they even admit the fact that they worship uh, God and they have accepted Jesus into their heart and life, that they will be dead. They will die as a result of uh, punishment from those who uh, are in their own country and sometimes even from their own family. You know, we at least in this country, in this in this nation, in the United States, we don't have to worry about the fact that uh, you know our parents, uh, the people, our family may not. Uh, uh, if they're not Christian, they might uh, say, well, you go ahead and do that thing, uh, that Christianity stuff. You go ahead and do that. I'm not going to do that. At least it's not to the point where it is in some nations where uh, you don't have to worry about your family excommunicating you from the family of of saying uh, or being disowned by your family simply because you say that you're going to be a Christian, that you follow Jesus Christ. That's true persecution of being uh, shunned by the, uh, your family, shunned from, uh, from uh, those who are your relatives, shunned by your friends simply because you profess Jesus is the Lord of your life. You might have friends that might not want to hang around you and might not want to associate with you because you talk about the love of Jesus Christ, but that's nothing in comparison to what Christians have gone through throughout the ages. And that's not to say it might not ever get to that point here. But praise the Lord, at least right now it's not. But there are Christians who are going through that persecution. This church of Smyrna was going through uh, poverty, heartache, and uh, a very real threat to their life because of those who were... uh, um, who were uh, uh, telling the officials about them And their life was in danger. Jesus says, I'm all that you need. He says, don't worry about those things. You have hope and understanding that you can trust in Jesus Christ. And sometimes in our world today, even though we're not facing those kind of things, we need that assurance that Jesus Christ is with us. That Jesus is there to help us through. When everything in our life seems to be falling apart, we can look to Jesus Christ and and trust in Him. And He says, look, there's some of you who will even go through the trial of being thrown into prison. He says, you have the hope and understanding that it's not going to last forever. That it won't last forever. He says, you have that hope that it will only be for a little while. He says that uh, to this church uh, that some of you will be, uh, that Satan will cast you in. Remember, the opposition uh, is going to put you in prison, but he says, don't worry about it. It'll only be for 10 days. Doesn't that sound kind of weird to to be in the Bible? Don't worry, it's only going to be there for 10 days. Is uh, there's some belief that it's it's not a literal 10 days, but 10 is is it, it means just a short time. He says, "Don't worry about it. You have you need to have hope and understanding that it's only your persecution is only going to be for a short while." He says, and thirdly, he says, "Not only you need to endure not only do you need to trust in Jesus to, to see you through and, and you have the hope, thirdly, uh, the hope that, that, uh, that 
this is only going to be for a while. He says, lastly, for those of you who endure to the end, he says, I'll give you a wreath of life. Now, what that means is now uh, there there was a, you know, Smyrna was uh, the, one of the places where they uh, did the uh, Olympics when it was first being uh, done in the ancient world. And so there were a lot of athletes in Smyrna. There were a lot of people who understood uh, athleticism. And one of the things that an athlete received when, uh, when they uh, won their event was not only accolade, they received a wreath that was placed on their head. This wreath was something that uh, was... Uh, a very akin to the medal that athletes receive today in that it symbolized the greatest of accomplishment. It was not seen as something that was uh, temporal. We would think, okay, uh, you're giving me a wreath and it's just some twigs wrapped around each other and some leaves and things. We, we, we look at that as maybe a, like, a bo- like we look at a bouquet of flowers. A bouquet of flowers, especially around Valentine's Day, um, men, or remember to get your honey uh, some flowers. Uh, they might not last forever, but they'll last for a while and, you, and she will love you to death uh, while they live. Um, but even though they're temporal... <laughs> They mean a lot, don't they, ladies? They mean a, it means a lot when your husband gives you some flowers. When your honey gives you some flowers, it means a whole lot because it means they love you and all those kind of things. Hey, they'll be dead in, in a couple of weeks, yeah. But while they're alive, it means a lot. These wreaths were not as temporal as that. Uh, there were many athletes who were buried with this, the wreath that they received when they accomplished. It, it was a symbol of victory. It was a symbol of overcoming uh, the obstacles. And what Jesus is saying to this church at Smyrna, He says, you're going to receive the wreath of life. You'll be victorious and you'll uh, accomplish enduring to the end. He's, and really it is a symbolic of the crown of life that is mentioned at the end of Revelation. Uh, and we, we understand that uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to uh, receive a crown of life and it'll, it's ever, it symbolizes everlasting life. It's not something that's temporal, but rather it's something that lasts forever. And, and Jesus says, look, for those of you who endure to the end, those who have ears to hear and endure to the end, He says, you'll receive the crown of life. And that uh, is reference to uh, uh, that wreath that uh, symbolizes victory and it is a symbol of eternal life. And he says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has says unto the church. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. And so what Jesus is saying is uh, you'll receive eternal life as a result of your endurance, of your faithfulness. And so what Jesus is telling us in this passage of Scripture is is that we need to uh, understand that He is, it's right there at the beginning of this section, He is uh, the beginning and the end. He's all that we need. He is... uh, He will help us to endure to the end if we'll just simply trust in Him. And so often it's it's so easy. And look look at what this church is going to face 
if you uh, now this is the very beginning of the book of Revelation but guess what we we have the whole book of the Revelation and so we know what's coming we know the tribulation that's coming we know the difficulties that's coming and Jesus is saying to us listen even to us today you need to endure there's coming a time in which you will uh, receive uh, the blessings of those who endure and so uh, this is a message of endurance, a message of hope, a message of, of God's love, of eternal life for those who endure to the end. And so I hope and pray that this will be an, a, a message of encouragement for you tonight as we uh, understand what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage of Scripture. <laughs>